0: Welcome back to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm
1: Nick, and I'm Lewis.
0: And we have a wonderful, very recent film that Lewis absolutely loves.
1: So it is the masterpiece that we alluded to in the previous episode, folks. Uh, if you remember that, uh, it is. I remember it. Good. I'm glad that someone does. Uh, It is the 2017 film Justice League. Woo, yay! Yay.
0: Justice League.
1: So Justice League is the fifth installment in the DC Extended Universe, the DCEU, as we will be referring to it from here on out. Uh, It is um, starring uh, Ben Affleck, Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot uh Ezra Miller uh Ray Fisher Ray Fisher thank you uh mm-hmm. and some other um uh, other like A or B list actors as as um extras or or I should say secondary characters like J.K. Simmons and um Billy Crudup uh so on and so forth and
0: spoiler um, alert Henry Cavill oh yeah
1: that guy <laughs> as well um so yeah, it uh, takes place uh, right after the events of uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, Superman is dead. Uh the world is in chaos and despair and uh there's a, an upcoming or an incoming alien invasion uh mm-hmm. by Steppenwolf. Thanos. <laughs> what what? <laughs> Basically. yeah no. Just kidding. Actually, the new gods, which Steppenwolf is one of them, is first, folks. And then Thanos is a ripoff. But uh, that's getting oh, yeah, a little we'll, too in the weeds. Well, we'll get in the weeds later on. Yeah, we'll probably have to. Um, but yeah, so there's an alien invasion and Batman and Wonder Woman have to rally the troops.
0: Yeah, that's honestly um, pretty... Pr- it covers pretty much all the plot. Um, what we what we like about this movie um, isn't so much the, the bare bones um, plot structure that you just laid out. There's a lot more to go into later on, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a functional serviceable uh, superhero story, but it is not well liked um, online or in the real world.
1: Yeah. So uh, it had a pretty uh, negative uh, critical reception when it came out in 2017 um, just from Rotten Tomatoes alone, their, uh, little blurb about the film, uh, Justice League leaps over a number of DC movies, but it's single bound. Is not enough to shed the murky oh aesthetic, God. thin characters God. and chaotic action that continue to dog the franchise?
0: <laughs> Kill me. This cutesy little superhero reference shit.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a bit absurd. Honestly, it's, it's one of their, their worst blurbs. Um, but yeah, so I think that kind of um, that's that's a general overview of why uh, people don't like the film, and um, except Armand White, uh, he's oh the, hell yeah, he's the only critic, boy uh, who loved this movie—not just liked, but loved. Hell yes, <laughs> there's at least one other
0: one, Louis, for you. <laughs> it's... Yes,
1: it's me and Armand
0: White. You guys are going to form your own Justice League, Justice League. <laughs> I
1: call Superman.
0: Okay. Yes. Um. I don't know who armand white would be. He's, I guess, because he he's like the the burned out veteran. He would be the he would be the Batman in this case.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. He's been at it for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cynical. Yeah, I think that works. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled a quote from an article by Alyssa Rosenberg of the Washington Post that I also think uh, is a little more specific in its uh, critical consensus about the film. Uh, She says, but if Justice League is a symbol of just how entrenched superhero films have become in the Hollywood ecosystem, it's also a potent illustration that success hasn't necessarily artistically elevated the genre. It's not just that beat by beat justice league feels nearly identical to so many of the superhero movies that have come before or that it features some of the ugliest most pointless special effects i've seen at the movies in a long time it's that the darn thing feels depressingly haphazard and thoughtless and that it's guaranteed to make a ton of money anyway superhero fans are a ridiculously powerful market they deserve better than
0: this uh they absolutely do not deserve (laughs) better than anything (laughs) superhero fans are some of the worst people on the on the planet i will not um i will not add nuance or any kind of caveat to that statement uh please take it out of context anyone that's listening
1: yes and i'm sure they all will uh (laughs) because they're a powerful market and they can do whatever they want Mm -hmm. uh but yeah so i i think uh the what really caught my eye was uh depressingly haphazard and thoughtless (laughs) yes it's uh it's something that she then goes on to clarify in the review um by mentioning the the production snafu uh that happened during this film uh it's fairly sad and a content warning uh Zack snyder the director of the film had to leave um fairly late into the filming of this uh uh, because his uh, his daughter had committed suicide.
0: Yeah, as far as I remember, he, I, I thought that production had wrapped by the time I heard it, heard that news. Um, but it it was it was fairly late. I, I think they were in post production at that point.
1: I think you're right. Yeah. So, uh, post production, they um they being um I guess Warner Brothers and and DC hired Joss Whedon to uh, take over (laughs) (laughs) and do some reshoots. Um, I think um, that is something that uh, could definitely be chalked up to the the tonal problems that a lot of critics, such as Alyssa Rosenberg, uh, allude to in, in their reviews um which is fair and and we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. um but i think a lot of other stuff is kind of off the mark um i don't really think the cgi is any better or worse than literally any other superhero film or any film to be honest like cgi um generally looks pretty awful Uh,
0: yeah i i I would half agree with you there, and w- once we get to that part, we can we can uh, dish it out. We can have our own um, Wonder Woman versus Steppenwolf boat um, down down <laughs> later on. Um, right, but those. yeah, I look, look forward to that. I I will say I I will agree with you. Um, I don't think it's necessarily noticeably worse than than anything Marvel puts out.
1: Yeah, exactly. So. Um... Now I think the tonal issues, um, especially the the jokes and the banter, um, juxtaposed with the the very you know serious uh, nature of some of the rest of the you know the the world-ending apocalyptic uh, nature of the rest of the film, it, it's it's it somewhat misses the mark. Um, but again, I think it could also be argued that that happens in the Marvel films. That's
0: exactly what happens in the Marvel films. Um, We, we have alluded to this in in a few previous episodes where we're not on the Marvel train um, as, as is, as is Vogue right now, I guess where we're, we're not, we're not stridently anti-Marvel or anything. I know, Lewis and I both quite like a number of individual Marvel films. There is, however, kind of um, this this gestalt, I guess, in in, in the nerd community online, um, where it, it's taken for granted that Marvel does it right. Mar- Marvel uh, is the gold standard for superhero films. Um, their their house style is is to be emulated, and DC is constantly playing catch up, which isn't untrue um i guess but we here at procon don't really think the the marvel house style is necessarily um as untouchable as as is commonly held
1: yeah here at procon we don't have brand loyalty folks so hell no hell to the no uh we're not going to say that we're mcu fans or that we're dceu fans uh, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. We both liked Doctor Strange. We both mm-hmm. enjoyed Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy Two. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ones I'm I'm blanking on right now.
0: Uh, Ragnarok.
1: Yep, Thor Ragnarok. We we both enjoyed that one. Um, I I like Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I don't think you've seen it. Is that correct? I
0: haven't seen it yet. Uh, the first Iron Man. I guess we both like oh, yeah. that one. Yeah, definitely yeah. the first Iron, Iron, Iron Man.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say that we're just here to just shit on Marvel films, uh, by no means, but, um, I think we should look at the DC films with, um, a more clear head. So I think that's what we're going to try and do here with justice league.
0: So that's pretty much the main thrust of the criticism that we were able to find online, uh, perceived inconsistency, uh, in dialogue and tone, um, I do, I do attribute that more to the troubled production more so than Snyder's direction. Um, we're not the biggest fans of Zack Snyder here at ProCon. Um, I, I personally do think he has some skill, um, some, some value in production, not necessarily as a director. Um, but his, his talents weren't at their worst in this movie. <laughs> they were, um, he he did put his own little Snyder flourish on a few sequences and a few specific shots that I can think of, but yeah, I, I I certainly have seen seen worse output from Snyder, and um he he did a decent job in Justice League, I think, as far as he was able to consider in his his personal circumstances.
1: Yeah, so I think some of the Snyder flourishes that Nick mentioned um, are definitely uh, his use of slow mo. Um, his is very um baroque sense of uh of, of filmmaking um that you don't really see often or when you do it's usually trash uh and you know batman v superman uh man of steel they fall into that trash category I think. <laughs> uh just right into the yes. trash band of film film history yes um but uh, the use of slow mo in this film, uh, I think, is overall pretty well done. Uh, I was really hoping for a good slow mo in Man of Steel. I thought, yeah, Superman, and you could really do some really interesting things with slow mo and flying and punches, and it just didn't happen. But it did in this film, I think.
0: Yeah, and what's neat about the slow mo, um, as you were hoping for in Man of Steel, and as I was hoping for, it's it's justified within the the context of the film at certain points because the flash can run around and zip around and everything um and he sees the rest of the world in slow-mo but he isn't and that's neat because there are times where it's literally depicting his powers being used um which is always nice when you can integrate effects into your characterization like that
1: yeah definitely um there's a there's a great scene actually uh, of the flash played by uh, ezra miller uh during one of their fight scenes i think maybe the the first big fight scene um on an island uh, off of uh, gotham harbour where um they're fighting the villain they're fighting his his minions the parademons these bug-like creatures uh and it looks like they might they might be you know uh they might be on the ropes basically wonder woman is in the midst of losing her sword batman is hand-to-hand with these parademons and he's not doing all that well superman's still dead uh, aquaman hasn't come to their aid yet and uh Cyborg is—I don't remember exactly—in that moment, he's still not in control of his powers, basically. Um, but the Flash—we have a moment where the Flash decides, "Okay, I can—I can take over here, and I can help everybody out. Uh, I can give Batman back his his grappling hook. I can give Wonder Woman her sword back." And uh, it's very much like the scene in uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, where Quicksilver uh, goes. Uh, you know everything slows down except him, and he's changing all these things in this kitchen area, uh, making cops punch each other and stuff. But uh, so really, all that Flash is able to do in this scene is he <laughs> he pokes Wonder Woman's sword, and that goes back into her hand, uh, very much like the uh, like a Sistine Chapel esque reaching of the finger it's, to touch the sword.
0: It's really, really overt and like like you said yeah and just over design and it it works like god help me it it it's not it's not inappropriate in in given the movie
1: yeah i think it works really well and um unlike the scene uh in x-men days of future past uh the flash actually just fails he just trips over his own feet yes concrete and uh he just he lands face first uh against a barrier of some kind in just to
0: stoke the the marvel versus dc rage um as far as i know quicksilver was never that fast um he he's fast like he can he can like run down a highway and he can like run he can like race a jet plane and he can he can run across water but he, he wasn't like time standing still levels of speed that the flash always was and the flash in the comics is completely ridiculous so it makes more sense here
1: Yeah, I mean, the Flash in the comics can, like, vibrate himself so fast that he goes through solid objects.
0: Uh, The Flash in the comics one time was shot in the back of his head with a bullet, and he felt it as it hit him, and he was able to move out of the way. But it's just, like, a completely different level than Quicksilver
1: yeah it's crazy uh and it's courtesy of the speed force which they actually (laughs) name drop in the film uh when we were first introduced to the flash uh barry allen uh says uh some mumbo jumbo about this what he calls his powers he calls them the speed force um which is a nod for you know um the the nerds out there uh for them to gasp and pat themselves on the back basically but uh it was it was a nice nod to something uh Greater that will uh, be established, I guess, in his own solo movie. That'll never actually happen. Yeah,
0: that's that's correct. Um, but also, I was going to say, uh, Flash is this film's uh, fail son, keeping in with our our, our tradition <laughs> of having a fail sign per film.
1: Yeah, that's very that's very true. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I liked about the characters of this movie. Um, is they all they all were pretty they were all really well acted um for the most part there there were some cringy line deliveries and everything but the the motivations and the characterizations of the three new leaguers um flash cyborg aquaman um they they all had pretty compelling backstories that that acted as as like decent distillations of their insanely long and convoluted comic book counterparts um the flash specifically as i was just talking about he's Ah, uh, his dad is in jail for allegedly murdering his mother. But Flash is kind of bouncing around, or Barry Allen, I guess. Barry is is bouncing around from job to job. He's kind of scraping by to make ends meet, even though he can clearly do much better. Which his dad sees in that, sees in him. He's kind of like a transient youth. He, of of course, he has his powers, so it's not like he he faces too much hardship. But he, um, also this is something that we 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 both thought. He is kind of written as as neurodivergent. I'm I'm not sure if that was intentional or if, it, or honestly, if it's just like the weird dialogue and, and kind of the weird way that Ezra Miller played it. There there was some kind of behavioral um, affect that he was touching upon in his performance. That certainly lends itself to possibly one of the reasons why this character is kind of d- doesn't mesh well with other people. But all in all, it it, it was kind of this really uh, comprehensive um, person that, although it was kind of really awkward and um and out of place it, it made sense within the context of the movie and i honestly liked flash a hell of a lot more than i thought i would be as i was led to believe from online perception of the character
1: yeah he definitely has some cringy dialogue um he's very much like uh, a fanboy um which is something we've seen in a lot of films now like rose in the last star wars film she's kind of a fangirl um second
0: second um, last star wars film if you would oh
1: yeah sorry sorry <laughs> yes uh solo uh a star wars story forgot that right in the title excuse me uh <laughs> but yeah, so i I really didn't think it was that terrible, even while I was watching it. I was like, uh, he's kind of charming and delightful and then you know you see the torrent of hate spewed towards his character online and mm-hmm. it's 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 a little overwhelming and 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 not deserved um but yeah, so the other two characters um who are introduced uh cyborg uh victor stone is the is his uh alter ego, and then Aquaman Arthur Curry. Um, played by Ray Fisher and Jason Momoa, respectively. Um, yeah, they had interesting and full characters as well. Um, Victor Stone, Cyborg, was a star athlete, I believe. Um,
0: College athlete, I believe.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like like a NCAA. Um, athlete or yeah, the DCEU version of the NCAA um, one can imagine they also don't pay uh, their their student workers uh, so um, yeah he, Lex, Lex he, Luthor
0: definitely doesn't pay his team very well
1: but yeah so um, Victor Stone dies in a car accident and his father Silas Stone uh, resurrects him and uses uh, alien technology to turn him into uh, cyborg Uh, who is very much learning his powers and, um, trying to deal with the fact that he has uh, very little control over his own body. Um, and Nick and I agreed, um, while we were writing our notes and just texting back and forth as we were watching the film that the, the cyborg character is easily the most interesting character in, in the movie. Um, and if he was to get his own movie, I wouldn't even want there to be an antagonist. I just would want him to be wrestling and grappling with these new parts of his being, his psyche and his body.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting about Cyborg is when I when I first was hearing about this movie being made, um, he he was the one I was most resistant to just because I mean, I mean, this this probably speaks more of my my personal history with comics and cartoons and shit. But, um, I always, obviously Cyborg is well, most well-known. He made his debut in, in Teen Titans. Um, he was much more of a Teen Titans character before he was kind of awkwardly shoehorned into the Justice League as a founding member of the Justice League when they did their new 52 reboot in, I believe 2012 or 2013. So I, I I thought it was just kind of weird and clunky, um, to do that. But I mean, I was being a stupid fanboy, and he, (laughs) he was, he was easily the most compelling character, um. Pretty, very well acted too um I, I had never really seen ray fisher i don't really know anything else that he's been in but um he was, he was kind of doing like a like a robocop thing like um stilted marionette um stuck in a metal shell kind of um kind of performance but yeah he he was um he was great
1: yeah and then there's uh, aquaman played by uh, jason momoa um a very different version of aquaman than yes, yes. i'm used to that's for sure um usually i you know I, there's not much characterization with aquaman in a lot of uh, in a lot of media um besides just being almost similar to superman kind of a, a boy scout type character um he does have a bit of a tortured past um, with his, his uh, half-human, half-Atlantean um, origin story and being exiled from Atlantis and such. But a, a character who doesn't really, um, and who not a lot of people have any knowledge of. Um, so they were able to kind of just reinvent him for this movie. And um, by they, I just mean Jason Momoa. I think he was yes. just able to say, eh, I want him to be like me, kind of bro-y
0: and um, just... Yeah, drinking and surfing. So, I mean, there, there, there had been um some kind of um some kind of predicate for this, or some kind of um some kind of template of like the the wild barbarian aqua bro. Um, I, I guess you, I guess most people would, mo- would most well know that from the Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Um, when he has like the long hair and the hook hand and all that stuff, and he's kind of like an underwater Conan. Um, and in the comics had. I believe, I think it was actually in Grant Morrison's run on Justice League when um, that iteration of the character was first introduced. Um, But still, Momoa's performance was different enough from that, that he, yeah, it it was, it was largely him uh, doing his, doing his thing and um, making the character his own.
1: Yeah. And there's, um, there's a bit of backstory that they give you through one or two scenes, um, he goes to Atlantis at one point and he talks with uh, Mera, played by Amber Heard, and you learn a little bit about his backstory. And, you know, he's the son of the queen of Atlantis who was exiled, blah, blah, blah. Um, but also it's interesting, he kind of just hides out in an Icelandic village and he just like brings them fish. Yeah,
0: Yeah, he does. Um, and that is one of the things I really appreciated about all these three new leaguers that they introduced, um, Barry with his, um, his, his transient homelessness and his, uh, working class job, his, his bundle of working class jobs, uh, Victor as a student athlete who are um, notoriously, um, underpaid and exploited for their labor and, um, Aquaman or Arthur, um, for his, uh, he, he subsidizes this poor, um, impoverished fishing community. Um, all three of them are, are working class or, or at least um, working class adjacent and, and they face similar issues of, of their labor um, being exploited or, or, or their labor being put to use um, on behalf of the working class. Um, so I, I enjoyed that and especially contrasted with the more um, aristocratic Obviously, Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne and um, and Diana Prince, uh, it made for a nice kind of like contrast in, in their backgrounds.
1: Yeah, definitely the the humble origins um, is is interesting to see. It it harkens back to Superman as well. There, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. something that um, we saw in Man of Steel, but. Um, uh, he, was also like the product of an insane libertarian father oh my God. In man of steel <laughs> yes. so uh, we really haven't seen the humble origins uh in in the DCEU so it was uh, it was nice to see that in uh in this film
0: and what's great about this film is if you view it as a standalone feature like assu- assuming that Superman has just been dead and, and like relying on the public perception of Superman that comes across despite his uh, his his rabidly um, don't shut on me, uh, adoptive father.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's something that we had talked about before recording. That this film can actually be can be viewed as a standalone film. It's um, better. It's better. I think. Yeah, it is better if you just view it as a standalone film, uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about why that is. I think a big part of it is uh, how the the villain is introduced and. And 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 then vanquished. Um, it's very close ended. Um, outside of uh, one or two references to um, uh, a larger pantheon of uh, villains, mm-hmm. uh, so Steppenwolf is the the main villain of the film. Uh, he looks like utter dog shit. <laughs> um, he's really uninteresting. Uh, yes. it's just yeah. He looks like he's straight out of uh, a PS2 game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, great, uh, actor behind him, uh, Ciaran Hines, uh, amazing yeah. actor, uh, just really, yeah, w- uh, poorly cast here or just, uh, not put to his, his best, uh, his best abilities.
0: I, th- I, I think this is more of a design issue than an effects issue because, um, Steppenwolf as an entity on screen looks fine. It's just his... That entity looks like dog shit. It's it's like <laughs> um he looks like dog shit, that the parademons look like shit. And it's a it's a real shame because I, I I think we've alluded to Jack Kirby on the show before. But um we're we're both big fans of, of Jack Kirby. And all of his fourth world stuff, of which uh, Steppenwolf and from the Parademons belong to, is great and it, it it visually it's great and it's visually dynamic and colorful. I'm not really expecting that like a, a big budget film in, in twenty seventeen would have put Steppenwolf in his green um, jumpsuit and his his green kind of like link hat, um, (laughs) like like as a literal costume. But they they could have at least done an interpretation of that that looks better than like knockoff God of War armor.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, and we had uh, earlier mentioned Thor Ragnarok. That's a film that is heavily inspired by the aesthetics of Jack Kirby. Um, Literally every aspect of that film down to costume and set design is, is what you could call Mm -hmm. Kirby-esque. It's hard to describe that exactly, but you know, if you, if you look at, um, if you look at pictures online of Jack Kirby's run on Thor, who he created, not Stan Lee. um, And then you compare that to the, the look and feel of Thor Ragnarok. I mean, it's just, it's obvious that's how you can do and make a Jack Kirby film um but understandably it, that's not the aesthetic the dceu is going for um they could have met somewhere in the middle but uh they went for more of the dc comics new 52 look which um is is an unfortunate choice considering the dc uh, new 52 uh, story arcs uh, have been irrelevant for uh, several years now
0: <laughs> yeah and um in the whole aesthetics it I, I guess this is the last complaint that I'll that I'll give of the aesthetic of the movie, but um, over-designed is, is the one word I'd, I'd boil it down yep. to. Over-designed to a yep. fault. Um, the Flash and Cyborg uh, infamously um, look really bad, and I do agree that, that their suits look really bad. Um, Aquaman's too; it's it's way too it's way too overdone. Um, I know in his <clears throat> I know in his own movie that just came out recently, um, he has a much more comics. Com- comics faithful look, which looks great. However, to contrast with that, the three established heroes of the movie, uh, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, all have amazing looking costumes, I think. Um, it's a good compromise between the Snyder aesthetic and also the comic book faithfulness. I think because they're the three much more popular heroes than the other three that kind of forced them to to be more on their game when designing these suits. They tried to do um, more of a new creative look for the for the lesser known three characters and it kind of didn't really work out
1: yeah exactly um towards the end of the film it is um hinted at that like cyborg um because his his body and his powers are changing uh, that he his look is evolving Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and it looks um much better more plated armor as opposed to this like crystalline structure so um i think in the future we'll see better costumes for all of these characters and like nick said in the new aquaman film he gets a new costume that looks pretty awesome he looks great um,
0: the i mean not to talk about another film while we're in the middle of ours but he looks like, <laughs> like that, that's a good compromise between um comic book uh fidelity and and real world uh practicality
1: yeah exactly um, so something else that we really liked about the film that a lot of people um, have disagreed with, uh, online, uh, would be the fight scenes. Um, there were really only three or four big fight scenes throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think each one of them had their own, uh, unique elements. Uh, we had hinted at earlier, um, the The scene at Braxton Island, which is uh, off of the coast of Gotham Harbor, it's where Steppenwolf and the Parademons have uh, captured some scientists to Mm -hmm. help them steal um, one of the mother boxes, the MacGuffin of the film. Uh, And it's a rescue mission where uh, some, not all, of the the team members of the Justice League have to uh, go in and uh, both uh, save the hostages and uh, try and take down Steppenwolf. Um, it's, uh, it's a scene that showcases, um, one of, uh, Batman's vehicles, the Nightcrawler, uh, it showcases, as we said previously, Flash's powers, uh, I think it also establishes, uh, pretty well that Wonder Woman is one of the only heroes in the team who can go toe-to-toe with Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. Um, later, uh, in the final fight scene, uh, it's established that Aquaman and Wonder Woman can go toe-to-toe, um, both of them being more godly or uh, semi-demi-god characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of those, um, those elements that uh, you have to kind of look for uh, or recognize are, are more interesting than you know a first glance would suggest
0: um i'll i'll meet you halfway on on the fight scenes here <laughs> as as always yes as always <laughs> um i do think some of them were were very cool very well done um you, i know you had mentioned about the braxton island fight it it shows how liter- literally none of these characters do anything on their own they're always helping each other they're always um watching each other's back they're always they're always coordinating which is a nice um a nice leftist message i think or leftist depiction of um of how superheroes can can be more than just kind of like flashy punch the bad guys um and so that was nice uh, there there is a little fight scene in um, in Atlantis where Steppenwolf pops in to steal the the Atlantean mother box and um, Mara uses her her water bending powers to. Um, I think a less imaginative sequence would have had her just like blast Steppenwolf with with water while they're already underwater or something, <laughs> or just like try <laughs> right, to yeah, push some him away. Spongebob shit there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, Oh, water ball, Mermaid Man. Um, <laughs> but what she did was cool. She she removed the water in a giant sphere around him, causing him to fall because there was no longer any buoyancy holding him up. Uh, and that was neat. That was. Um, but I, I do think uh, the when the fight scene where Steppenwolf tries to take the mother box from the Amazons and, and the final fight where the whole team goes to confront him in, in the Russian uh, nuclear power plant. Um, it, I had the same issue that I did with the costumes and with the, the, um, the equipment design, it, it was just too overdone to a point. It was too over choreographed, like Amazons jumping over each other and like jumping from one horse to like five horses ahead and, and doing flips and stuff economy of action would have been better like you 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 can make it you can make it like godly and baroque and 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 extravagant without overcomplicating the actual actions if that makes sense
1: yeah i think that's fair um i think that's definitely a fair criticism of the the amazon scene um yeah they're basically playing keep away with the mother box um and yeah i think it it's an interesting conceit that gets lost in its execution yes, for sure. Yes. I think there's some uh, confusing sh- confusing shots and some confusing editing uh, in that scene. Uh, and I think the same could be said about the final fight scene. I think there's some there's some confusing editing um, that doesn't really uh, help to yeah maximize the 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 gist of of um, of that scene yeah i think um what nick had said about the heroes uh cooperating um is something that you know it's it's not the first film to do it by any means um you know there's the classic scene in the first avengers where uh at the end they're coordinating or at least captain america is coordinating what everybody will do right um as as but, as
0: america's favorite cop he's telling everyone else what to do
1: <laughs> right exactly but i think this film uh is is more uh egalitarian about it um at first uh, batman is kind of set up as the leader of the group um because he gets everybody together mm-hmm. more or less um but throughout the film uh you know they highlight the fact that batman's not the best leader he even says it explicitly to alfred he says that he doesn't live in society he doesn't understand people uh and that he even says at one point that uh superman is more human than him because superman had a life Mm -hmm. and a job and a love interest and he's not rich um, and he's not rich. Exactly. Yeah. Batman also is uh is pretty um upfront with uh his his rich uh his rich background and just yeah, his Playboy status. Uh it's actually I think it's pretty funny and well done yeah. throughout the film. I mean he, he literally looks
0: a lot like a buff Mitt Romney, I think, in this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, he does he doesn't uh, he wouldn't start Bane Capital though, I guess.
0: No, he would he would fight Bane with his capital.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: um but yeah the 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 undercurrent of of cooperation is really felt throughout all the action scenes and all of the the downtime between the action scenes um in in a weird way like like i was saying uh if you do view this movie as a standalone story um there is no leader in in the justice league there each, each character at <clears throat> at one point or another or another or most of them anyway, um, takes turns with being the leader with it. It's kind of, it's kind of like a collectivist, like leaderless, um, ground up led superhero team on film. I mean, the assumption is after Superman comes back that he's going to be the leader, but, um, Everything that we see on screen doesn't really show him being a leader any more than Batman is at times, any more than Wonder Woman is at times. Um, even even Cyborg like steps up and gets his turn to um, to say what should be done when when it comes to the mother boxes. And um, I, I don't really think that this is like some grand statement on like the the value of collectivist action versus like le- like individual leadership, but it is in my opinion, like I'm I'm not completely baseless reading.
1: Yeah. And um, I I think it's true. There is really no, no leader at any one point or no um, obvious leader or, you know, obvious future leader. Um, The film hints at the fact that it's wonder woman, which makes sense Mm -hmm. uh, in some comics. And I think in the justice league cartoon as well, like wonder woman had that leadership role. Um, But it's it's one of the loose ends of the film. I mean, it's never explicitly said. You know, here's the here's the leader badge. It's you. They
0: they really do kind of cooperate. To they're they're all the leader together, and that and that's kind of neat. And that that's pretty unique for uh, superhero movies, as far as I know.
1: Yeah, I mean. I can't think of any other uh, team-based superhero film where there's there's just this obvious uh yeah uh, lack of leadership. I mean, Avengers it's it's either Tony Stark or Captain America, and uh, even when they split up, there's you know they, there's those two again for their own uh, respective teams. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a, there's another theme. Um, that i think is uh could have a a more uh left uh read to it uh for this film it's um so it the, the film starts with superman is dead um there's this montage which i like personally i know a lot of people online and a lot of people i saw the movie with thought it was hokey um it uses a Leonard Cohen uh, song. I don't remember what it's called. It's, I, the refrain is...
0: Oh, it, they, he did. I knew I knew, I knew it for that song from somewhere because I wrote a note about it. I'm like, this montage is hacky. <laughs> and it, I wrote that it reminded me of the one for Watchmen where... Um, oh, no, but that's a Bob Dylan song. But it, it reminded me of him trying to recapture the magic of that opening scene from Watchmen. And fun fact the only part of that fucking movie that i actually like but i I don't think it lived up to that to that intro
1: so the intro of this film um is superman's funeral just shots of metropolis with like uh the bridge has this like this cover on this black cover with uh, a silver uh you know s superman s on it and um it it gets a little hokey when uh like bad things start happening. There's this really absurd uh little beat where there's like this like I guess you can consider him like a skinhead or white supremacist guy like uh in slow motion kicks these oranges that are uh being sold by um, oh my by, God. like this this Muslim it's, family.
0: He's <laughs> like I'll get you you immigrants and your oranges too.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's absurd i i i understand that um probably uh because it's in slow motion probably one of the worst uses of the slow-mo in the film um and then there's like uh there's a homeless man who has a little sign that says i tried um then there's a shot of a newspaper where it says superman prince and david bowie <laughs> like they've left us behind <laughs> yes
0: yeah um um not not a fan of the opening montage, but but um i'll I'll allow that little bit of disagreement here.
1: yeah, but I think what it does is it sets up this idea of hopelessness that um that that hopelessness opens up the world to the attacks of Steppenwolf and the Parademons, demons. so I think right. So Steppenwolf uh, and the Parademons come to Earth uh, because uh, there's like basically a power vacuum. Superman's gone. Uh, everybody feels uh, hopeless. And there there is a mention of um, who sent Steppenwolf to Earth. At one point, he says, "I will do this for the New Gods. I will do this for Apocalypse." Which, uh, or I actually, he says, "Darkseid." Right. Yeah. He
0: um, he he name drops Darkseid.
1: Yeah, so he named drops Darkseid, who's, like, will eventually be a big bad, I guess. He's the um, the evil new god in Jack Kirby's uh, Fourth World comics. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's who Thanos is, is a literal copy of. Um, but, yeah, so this uh, hopelessness opens itself up to this invasion, uh, and I, I think... One read of it, uh, or my read of it, is the idea that hopelessness breeds fascism, and then fascism must be fought with this collective action, basically. It's possibly a stretch, but, you know, we don't have a lot to work with in this film, so (laughs) (laughs) take what you can get here.
0: It's a little bit of a stretch, but I tell you, it's nothing like uh, Mr. Fantastic levels of stretching, am I right? Oh, or actually I should say plastic man. Cause this is DC
1: plastic. Right, anyway, yeah, keep, it on brand.
0: keep it on brand here. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that, that's not too, too much of a stretch. That That's that reading can be there. Um, I know another thing that you said about the, the theme of this, <clears throat> one of the themes of this movie that I really did like, and that, that I do think is leftist is that, um, and, and also it ties into the purpose of that, of that montage too, I guess, is that to, to act as a superhero, or I guess as a hero, if you want to make it more, more generic and applicable, um, you cannot shut yourself off from society, or from people. one of Batman's big learning curves in this in this movie is that he he's trying to learn to trust people more and, and be more open and 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 be more cooperative and and more I guess more of a human like like you said when he he said that he was less human than Superman. I think that other other superhero movies that that's pretty common in other in other superhero movies, but the way that it's kind of like played out in this movie. Because Flash, Aquaman, uh, Cyborg, and come to think of it, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman—they all have their own ways of um, seclu- of keeping this, themselves secluded from the population and from the world at large. But they all help each other overcome that.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I think a big part of the film is uh, Batman and Wonder Woman helping each other um, with you know some some pitfalls along the way um, to reintegrate themselves into society um wonder woman basically after the death of um steve trevor from the first film Mm kind of shuts herself off from super heroics and society she just becomes like an art curator in i think paris and that's kind of it she doesn't really interact with people there's even a scene where one of her like curatorial coworkers asks what did you do this weekend and she said oh nothing um (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah, throughout the film, Batman and and Wonder Woman they try and
0: they they help each other and they help other people while they get help from those other people too. Um, Wonder Woman reaches out to Cyborg, Batman reaches out to Flash, they both kind of um, reach out to Aquaman even though we like he's kicking and screaming as they do, but he he's he's brought on board too, and all of them together collectively come come and work to bring Superman back from the ultimate metaphorical. Um, and literal, I guess, like seclusion, death, and then Superman helps them all in the end. It's I don't know. It's 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 literally like this, the one of the few depictions of mutual aid I can think of in like a superhero mainstream superhero blockbuster.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like uh, you know in like leftist circles when people in the beginning of meetings like they do like a wellness check on everybody like that's kind of what this film is like this (laughs) film is like one big wellness check check. (laughs) like it's like are you okay yeah i'm doing okay are you okay yeah i'm doing fine and then i I think i think that i think
0: what you just said might have been dialogue from this movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's of that caliber yeah for sure
0: (laughs) no but i i think literally at one point flash does say say that to one of the people that he rescues (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he
1: does. In the um in the, I think he Braxton says Island. that in the Braxton Island. He says it to one of the scientists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another good line uh he when he's after he saves someone, uh when he saves the Russian family, instead of saying Dostoevskaya, he says Dostoevsky. <laughs> yeah, that was that
0: was a that was a hoot. So yeah, Justice League um better than i thought and um on that note i guess we'll go to the workers of note the people uh who who we want to uh, recognize um those who contributed to this movie's production uh in some capacity um that we want to call it by name
1: yeah so um the film actually has some uh writing credits uh for those uh writers uh who created uh, some of these characters or concepts. Um, so Gardner Fox uh, is a comic book writer. Um, I believe he's deceased. I think all of them are. All, everyone that we're going um, to
0: name is, all, all the comic book writers that we're going to name are deceased.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, so Gardner Fox created the idea of the Justice League, um, actually the Justice Society of America, then renamed the Justice League of America. Yeah, he's one of the pioneers of of, of DC Comics, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Jack Kirby, who we had mentioned, uh, creator of the Fourth World comics, who Steppenwolf and the Parademons come from, um, Jack Kirby created, I mean, a countless amount of characters. Uh, more for more for Marvel than DC. He didn't really uh, create characters, the, the, the main characters of, of this film uh, outside of the antagonists. But um, without his body of work, um, yeah, DC would not be what it is today.
0: The other uh, major villain of, of DC in general, besides the great evil known as Darkseid, is the uh, great and actually the, the, the quite petty evil known as Bob Kane. <laughs> um who, who pretty infamously um screwed over Bill Finger, the the writer who created Batman. Um out of any and all credit. The comic book industry is notoriously um harsh and unforgiving to creators. And that that's better represented in, in no case that I can think of other than uh the the Bob Kane, Bill Finger fiasco, um the creators of Batman. But what's nice about justly uh, Justice League here is that Bill Bill Finger, I, I think this might be one of the very first um large and well-known productions that his name is attached to that features his creation, Batman. Um, So that was quite nice to see. And because of the whole um, fiasco with with Bob Kane, DC Editorial, and Bill Finger, uh, Finger was for many years um, denied credit denied even so much passing even so much as passing credit in like decades of uh, Batman material if you look at anything from any, any Batman title or Batman piece of media honestly from like the 40s to like honestly like a few years ago it says Batman created by Bob Kane um, completely bereft of any mention of Bill Finger, who, um, by all accounts, did much more um, actual work in creating and shaping the character as a unique, um, as a unique character, um, rather than just like a, a stupid knockoff. And, and Bob Kane's own, own litigious nature and, and whole issue there certainly didn't make things easier for the finger, for Finger in his estate in his family. Um, so kudos to whoever put uh, Bill Finger's name on this one.
1: Yes, kudos to probably the legal department that made them do that yes, kudos, kudos to somebody kudos
0: to uh bill finger's family finally um earning recognition for his estate
1: yeah definitely uh we also want to highlight uh another individual who's had um a lot to do with the shaping of superheroes um more on the the film side of things mm-hmm. uh danny elfman uh who did the score for this film um there are just obviously countless superhero films that Danny Elfman has lent his talents to. Um, obviously the Burton Batman films. Mm-hmm. And I think the Schumacher Batman films? Yeah, he
0: did those. I think he also did Spider-Man films, the the Raimi films.
1: Oh yeah, I think you're right. So yeah, um, this is someone who, um, his superhero leitmotifs, um, when you think of certain characters, you think of... Danny Elfman's scores outside of Superman, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, so I really enjoyed a lot of the late motifs used in this film, uh especially for flash anytime flash did his slow motion um you would get his late motif mm-hmm. uh and I think it was really fitting the Wonder Woman late is actually from the uh man of steel uh, sorry um Batman uh v Superman yes, but that was. <laughs> but that was also um, used well in this film.
0: Yeah. And um, one, one thing that's interesting about the music is I I think even, even the most ardent Marvel uh, shills and and, um, the most, the most uh, vicious DC uh, haters um, would say that DC movies have better music than the Marvel movies do. The Marvel scores are completely flat and unremarkable um, for the most part, not not to, not customized versions there, but um, but yeah, Danny Elfman really came through for this one.
1: Yeah, I you know I think the big thing is just having um the the musical themes, the late motifs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you see a character, um, you associate it with that musical theme that you know that bundle of measures and and notes. Um, that's something that John Williams did for the original Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Danny elfman did for the Batman films and now that's what he did for flash in this film um, and that's what i I'm blanking on the 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 musician who did um, the, the Wonder Woman the score for the yeah the Wonder Woman um late motif but yeah that's something that the Marvel films are lacking uh, and I don't know if they understand that at all
0: yeah in the last section of um, of workers that we wanted to highlight because quite frankly this this film had a small army of people that, um, worked in literally every department. Um, the IMDb, the IMDB page is just a sea of names and it's, we, we can't really go through them all. But, um, what, what I think has become evident through our discussion of the movie, the the thing that we really liked the most, uh, is probably the casting and, um, the way these characters that we've been reading and watching for, for a long time kind of came to life, um, and so we want to we want to recognize Christy Carlson, Laura Kennedy, and Kate Ringsell of the casting department. Um, not only for the not only for the superhero roles, but also there there were a number of other smaller roles like um, Barry Allen's father, uh, Victor Stone's father, Jim Gordon uh, as, as I guess Batman's father. <laughs> uh, mine, I guess, not quite extra throwaway parts like just walk on parts or whatever, but. Um, Definitely not up to the level of um, secondary characters um, that are often kind of quite hard to cast and quite hard to find like some quality some quality performances for like positions of that level in a movie. But yeah, that th- those were some of the better ones of the film.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Nick, who would you recommend this film to?
0: Um, DC Shills oh, or <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> if they exist if, yeah they, 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 i would say they exist i, I think every, every major studio has has a few but yeah obviously dc fans um this movie really isn't as bad as as the online narrative would have you believe um i never thought i would say that i was really skeptical when when lewis told me that this movie was great um but i did enjoy it um, a masterpiece yeah. is, is what uh, I, I had you, said from the you've said masterpiece thing. in the beginning. Um, I'm not quite there yet. Um, I'm, I'm the Flash to Superman in terms of uh, appreciating this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, DC fans, if, if you haven't seen it, if you've been if you've been put off by reviews, just just bite the bullet and go watch it. And also to fans of uh, film design when it comes to genre films, um, even if you're not a huge DC fan, for both good and bad inspiration there's quite a lot of interesting design work that went into um the visuals of this movie
1: um and i would recommend this film to people who uh don't expect sequels to films uh or at least don't (laughs) expect their sequels to be forthcoming (laughs) uh we're not going to see another justice league film for another 10 years folks uh there's no cyborg film. There's no flash film in production right now. I mean, literally, there's. I don't think there's a DC film in production as we speak. Well, that's not true. Wonder Woman and maybe the Birds of Prey and moment. Suicide Squad too. Yeah, I mean that's. Well, yeah, I guess that's pre-production. They actually have like uh James Gunn and a, a script, perhaps. But right, literally, right. every other character in this movie who's supposed to have a another film. Uh, is is devoid of that opportunity uh, as of right now at least and I, th- I
0: think it's pretty it's pretty certain that at least the, this iteration of these characters um, will never be seen again <laughs> it's just it's just, we're, I, I doubt we're ever gonna see Ezra Miller as The Flash again even if there is a Flash movie in, in 10 years or whatever but yeah no I, I, I think that if anything plays into the the standalone strengths of this movie and yeah I, I agree with you
1: oh and i guess aquaman is out like right now not that this is like a plug for that i'm not getting paid to say that but (laughs) someone on the internet will say but actually aquaman is out right now (laughs) but also it's my understanding is has almost no bearing on the plot of justice league so fuck off
0: yeah um fuck off comic book fans um i think that's as good a note as i need to end on
1: yeah um so this was justice league uh uh yeah, it's a film that is near and dear to my heart. Uh <laughs> no, not really, but I have seen it three times for some Surprisingly reason.
0: Surprisingly leftist, I will I will cop to that and in, in a lot more enjoyable than I would have ever thought going in.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a bad way to spend two hours. Two hours exactly, I think. Two hours exactly, yeah. It's also a shorter film compared to every single Marvel film that's come out in the last Which few years. Which is a plus. Yes. All right, folks, uh, that is Procon. See you next time. See you later.